Have you ever stood still with your eyes closed? It's me, Cindy. If you're driving or for whatever other reason you can't do it right now, just try it the next time you can. We did it in yoga. You just stand up, feet firmly planted, arms at your side, relaxed, you know, close your eyes. It's called the mountain pose, Tadasana. And here's what I wanted to say about it. What's weird is when you close your eyes, you can't stand absolutely still. And it was cracking me up because I was thinking, is this because I'm on Earth and the Earth is moving? Or is it like the effects of gravity trying to pull me down? Or is it both? I don't have an answer. It just struck me odd. I wondered if you'd ever had that. Not gravity, but that you can't stand still with your eyes closed. Still, you know, gravity, it's a thing. And you know what it is when you toss your purse on the seat next to you in the car and you have to hit the brakes because the light turns red too quick or you take a left turn and your purse slides off the seat and your phone goes flying? Well, that's centrifugal force. <laughs> it's gravity's troublemaking cousin. Science is fun, or sometimes it's just good to have names for things. You ever hear the story of how Zeppelin got their name? Speaking of names, supposedly Keith Moon of The Who heard about the band being formed. He said, oh, that'll go over like a Led Zeppelin. And Jimmy Page, you know, was like, ha, great name. Anyway, no, wait, he said, that'll go over like a lead balloon. Yeah, that was it. And Jimmy Page, not thinking balloon was big enough, did a really uh, kind of overreach to come up with Zeppelin, which is an enormous giant floating thing. Anyway, I swear I just have one more thing to say about Zeppelin, and then I will move on. I'm together with family the other day. Carl has his playlist going through the speakers, and suddenly, Fool in the Rain comes on. And I have that, oh my God, I haven't heard this song in ages. What a great song thing. And then I start noticing it is Fool in the Rain, but it's not Zeppelin. It's a cover. I don't know about you, but mostly I regard covers as, you know, music of the devil or the inherently lazy and looking for an easy win. I mean, what is that with a cover? With the exception of songs that everybody has done, so actually they're just more traditional than belonging to any one artist. Anybody who takes a hugely successful song and just does it again? No. Like, best worst example ever. Did you know that Tom Jones did a cover of Prince's Kiss? It is absolutely and wholeheartedly as miserable and creepy and painful as you would imagine. So, covers. I shouldn't have another word to say about that. But listen, I just have to add this because, you know, we're heading into holiday music season, which, just so you know, makes my flesh crawl. And there are very few songs that really make me happy because... And maybe it's just me, but it seems like the majority of holiday songs are just banged out for the sake of having something that maybe has a higher likelihood to get played every year and make the band or the writer a little money. Anyway, there's this song called Christmas Rapping. I don't know if you ever heard it. It's a standout to me. It was done in the 80s by a new wavy punk band called The Waitresses. And it was fabulous because, well, musically, it was very cool. And it told a really charming story packaged as a great song. And it kicked off with this adorable intro. Okay, so a couple of Decembers back, I had that, oh my God, I was like out in a store and I heard it coming on and I got really excited until suddenly... It all ground to a screeching halt as my inner brain screamed. Well, it wasn't actually my inner brain screamed very quietly because I was out shopping. It's a cover. And I never even did look up to see what lowlife thief had the audacity to rob the waitresses of their best record ever. Some voice process, drum machine, overly synthesized, barely real music edition of a song that deserves not just more respect, but to be left alone. 
If I was texting, that would be in all caps with many exclamation points after it. But no, a cover. And here's where another little life lesson comes into play, because I'd really like to play that intro for you, the little jingle bells and bass line. And I know that I have a copy of the song or multiple copies somewhere. And then I think, but where? And that's one of those, I have too much stuff kind of revelations, because I'd rather spend $1.29 buying another copy on Amazon than spend an hour or two scouring my computers and external hard drives and stacks of CDs where I've attempted to archive all the music that I have bought. And making it all a little more annoying is I just pulled it right up on iTunes, but iTunes being so proprietary, I can't open it in the recording software I have, so I could just give you the first couple of seconds, but no, which leaves me at the crossroads of do I just give up or do I pay for another copy? Making a quick decision. Okay, I'll buy it again. Because first, a couple of cents at least will go to Chris Butler, who wrote it in the first place. And it's a show of solidarity with, you know, the original version and an homage to Patty Donahoe, who sang it and who I met once and had a charming conversation with years ago and who has since passed on but has left this adorable legacy. So, okay. Now that's been decided, and since I'm spending another $1.29, we might as well get the most out of it. So I'm going to play the whole thing for you in a couple of minutes. But first, I'm going to steer away from Tangent Lane and get back on the original topic I was talking about, which was gravity and the forces of nature. Did you ever see that movie Wall-E? It's a Pixar movie, not one of their best, and I can't remember much about the story or anything about the story, but I never forgot how all the humans were just massive blobs of people in recliners that never fought gravity enough to get up. And I wonder if we're getting closer to that, or if at least I am. You know what I did twice this week? I ordered something from Target and then drove up so they could bring it to my car. I want to think that was okay, but honestly, I'm kind of embarrassed. Like, I can't park my car, walk in the store, find what I want, pay for it, go back to my car and drive home. I mean, I can justify these two times. One, I was running an errand as a favor, so I gave myself the grace of staying in my practically pajamas, jumping in the car to pick up a package knowing nobody would see me. It was cold and windy and rainy, too, which makes it more understandable I could skip getting dressed and getting out of the car, but I'm feeling kind of guilty about making somebody else run out into the cold, windy rain for me. For what, $15 an hour if they're lucky? And then that same day, a little bit later, I got an email reminding me that something I wanted, well, needed. Okay, socks. We're on sale today and today only, and I already had plans with very little time on either side before the store closed, so I did it again. I bought the socks online and texted as I was driving home from what I was doing so I could pull up and have it brought to my car. Only this time, I felt guilty enough, plus I was dressed and it wasn't raining, that when I saw the guy coming outside holding the bag, I figured he was my guy, and I jumped out of my car and I met him halfway, because there's something creepy about just sitting there. Come on, I'm over here! Letting someone bring something to you. Unless you're unable to get into the store, or maybe you have a little baby and it's disruptive enough sometimes to get them in the car, let alone get them back out and go in the store. I mean, I can see good uses for it just don't think that I qualify. This will bring it out to you thing is relatively new. I think it's a result of the lockdown, but clearly it's caught on. And I don't know that it'll ever be discontinued. As long as you've got staff who are willing to brave the elements so that some customer doesn't have to get out of their car, get out of their pajamas, go into a store, 
You see the connection to Wally, though? You see? See how I'm bringing that up? We're just one step away from inventing a car seat that sprouts wheels and gets you back in the house in front of the TV. I mean, that's the effect of gravity that we really have to fight off, right? The desire just not ever to get up and do anything. I've been thinking lately about how life is really just about change. You know, change is a force of nature. It's there, impacting your life, whether you want it to or not. And there's nothing you can do to stop it. Oh, I mean, you could delay it sometimes. Try to fend it off by staying put or slowing down or putting up. But eventually, over the course of time, things are going to change. And then they're going to change again. And we have to, that is, I have to figure out how to be as okay with that as I can. For as much as I'm a gal who gets really bored really fast, I think there are some points in my life that I would have loved to hold on to if I could have but probably just as many that I'm really grateful for the change. And when life is not good or really crushingly difficult, it's really good to remember that nothing stays the same, that things change. And when things are particularly good, I make a point to notice, to focus, to soak it in, to fully experience that moment, or to take a moment to say, everything right this second is exactly how I want it. And knowing that the moment will eventually pass somehow makes it all more valuable. It's that gratitude thing, blah, blah, blah. Just trying to make sure I don't miss the opportunity to appreciate something worth appreciating. I had a ride like that the other day. I took Catherine out to the ferry. She was heading home. And it was a particularly spectacular sky. Cold, a little windy, with huge white and gray and sometimes darker cumulus clouds rolling over blue skies. And sometimes the sun would poke through a mass of clouds and make those rays of light. Oh my God, the whole thing was so cool. And I wound up stopping by the water several times as I wound my way back from the farthest point of the North Fork, stopping to grab a photo of the white caps on the sound, stopped to see a couple of seagulls parked on a long dock going out into the Peconic Bay. I took some photos and they're all great because it was that beautiful. And all anybody had to do was hold up a camera. And luckily, I had a camera. And then I came home and I let gravity pull me down on the couch. Okay, that's it for me. <laughs> but for you, here it is. A $1.29 worth of the best holiday tune you're going to hear. Or hear again. It's the waitress's Christmas wrapping. And, you know, thanks for listening. <laughs>